Welcome to the Property Investors Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an upload. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Enjoy this week's show and don't forget to share it with all your friends. Hey, I'm Russell Leeds. Hey, I'm Ricky Mandel. And welcome to the Property Investors Podcast. On this week's show, the money habits that are keeping you poor. So this is a really interesting show. I think this is one of probably the most important shows actually that we've ever done. Because it doesn't really matter how much money you make. If you've got the wrong blueprint, if you have the wrong habits, you're never going to have very much money. Absolutely. Uh, how, how did you change your blueprint and your habits when it came to money? Um, I think the, one of the, the biggest things was hanging around people and changing my environment um, to follow other people's habits. Like, you know, I went on to training programs with you and Samuel. And I'm looking at, all right, I'm, I'm watching what you guys are doing. I'm learning from what you're doing. You're teaching me how to manage money and manage finances. So I think, you know, changing um, your, your circle and changing your environment for me was one of the biggest things. Yeah, yeah. I 100% agree. That's a big one. I remember when I was uh, 19, maybe younger, maybe 18, 18, 19, and I went on a, a training program and they were talking about money management and they were talking about... Um, they kept saying the same thing, which is pay yourself first. Pay yourself first. Robert Kiyosaki says a similar thing in Rich Dad Poor Dad. Pay yourself first. And when I was like 18, 19, I was like, what, what the hell do they mean? Pay yourself first. Like, what does that actually... I thought the how same you, thing. How do you pay yourself? Well, I thought the same thing. When, when Samuel first said it to me, <laughs> I was like, hold on a minute. If I have a job... I, I kind of get paid first anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, it always pays me first. Yeah. Like, what was I, mean? I didn't quite, I didn't quite get my head around it. But paying yourself first um, is when you have a when you have a business. That when that business makes money, or even a job, or even a job. What you want to do is you want to put the money aside for you and yeah. manage the money so that you've got. I mean, one of the one of the things that we do is we we divide the money into categories. So you've got different pots for different things. Yeah. So you have a, an investment pot, you have a fund pot. Well, that's a... exactly what it is. Like, here's, here's the thing, right? This is human nature. This is how we are. I don't know why I'm like it, you're like, everyone I've ever met is like it. There might be the odd person that's totally not like it, but most people are like this. We will use up whatever resources we have, right? So not even with just money. I'll give you an example. When, when I first got married, um, my wife said that every time she got up in the night, or any time she got up in the morning or whatever it was, I would then take up the whole of the bed. <laughs> right? Right. So, so I'm there lying in my half of the bed, content. She gets up, I take up the whole thing. Right? So she come back and I'm over Are you thing. waiting for her to get up just Mate, to sprawl out? I'm asleep. <laughs> right? I'm do- subconscious. I'm not even trying to do it. Right. But when she goes, I take everything up. Right, you sprawl out. And the same with salaries. right? If you're on, if you're on two grand a month, and you, you're going to get a pay rise. And you're like, oh, I'm really excited to get a pay rise. And you pay right, you get two and a half grand. So I'm a big pay rise. And you know, I'm two and a half grand a month. Suddenly, your expenses go up. It's not like, oh, yeah, I've noticed. Suddenly, I have 500 pound a month. You spend it. You find a way of spending it. And when it says pay yourself first, it knows that whatever your business brings in, whatever your salary, whatever it is, you are going to, that money's going to go on other stuff. That money's going to go on bills. That money's going to go to other people. It's going to go on, on your expenses, on your mortgage, on your car payments, to other people buying, get whatever it is that you spend your money on, it's going to go. So before it goes to other people, you need to pay yourself. You need to put some money aside. I call it for me investor tax, right? Because 
really who takes your money first? If you're an employee, the government yeah. pay themselves first, right? The government don't say, pay everything that you need, and then once you've finished paying everything you need, whatever's left, you can pay as tax. Because yeah. if they did that, no one would pay any tax, <laughs> right? So what they say is, you pay us first. Yeah. They take a tax, they tax your money. You, you don't even see it. It doesn't even hit your account. No. Right? You pay the government first. You need to do the same thing for, for, for yourself. Investor tax. Right. So when you get your, let's say you, you're on a salary of four grand, you're thinking, right, I'm going to take 10% of that or 20% of that. I'd start with 10, but if you can do more, great. You can even scale it. So I'm poor at the moment. I'm only on 20 grand, so I'm only going to take 10%. But when I earn 40 grand, anything above the 20, I'm going to take whatever it is, however you want to work it out, right? But you put it into an account first that you're not allowed. It can't pay bills. No. The bills have to wait. This is your investor tax. This is your financial freedom tax that you're taking out. You're paying yourself before anyone else gets paid. And that's what paying yourself first means. And you've probably heard it. I certainly didn't understand. No, I, I, I it. You didn't, didn't understand, understand it. Because I thought oh, I've already been. I've already paid. been paid. How can I pay myself again first? I've yeah. already. I've already been paid. Yeah. Paying but what future. you're saying is, once you've got that money, you then need to manage it by moving it to a tax. Move it out. I, and, and in my head, it's my my investor tax account. I can't pay for anything out of that investor tax account. So some account. people might be thinking now, all right, I'll move a bit of money out of the account, and that'll be the investor tax. So the rest of it, I can spend. Fine. Okay. Would you have more pots? Would you divide it even more? Could yeah. you go a step further? I, mean, I, I, I personally do. I, I separate my money out into different categories. But to be honest, the important one's the investor tax. Yeah. Right? So as long as you've put your investment stuff aside, if you just blow the rest of the money, which you probably will anyway, who cares? Yeah. It makes sense. I agree with you. I do personally split it out. But if someone didn't and just did the investor tax, I'd be cool with that. Yeah. So that's the very first thing. Pay yourself first. And the, ha the habit that most people don't do is they don't do that. And they pay everyone else first. They pay all the bills first. Yeah. And they have nothing but that, for themselves. But then that leads on to another problem. Go on. Which is the next point. If you get a load of money and then you spend it straight away, and then you see things you want or you want to get new things, but you don't have the money, what does that lead to? Well, that leads you to getting bad debt. Yeah. And bad debt, there's good debt and there's bad debt. Bad debt is where you borrow money to buy liabilities, things that are going to cost you, not bringing in anything. So, for example, um, if you, let's put in a scenario together where you get paid, woohoo, <laughs> the money's gone straight away, but then you want to buy a new sofa or you want to go on holiday. And then bad debt is when you borrow money to go on holiday or to get the sofa. The holiday isn't going to bring you any income in. The sofa is not going to bring you any money in. So that's bad debt. That's a liability. Good debt is where... You borrow money to invest it to get a return. And the return on that investment serves the debt and gives you some profit from it. Yeah, uh, 100%. And, and most people fall into one of two camps. Obviously, you've explained that, good debt, bad debt. Most people either like debt and are comfortable with having debt or... Because of bad debt, they don't like any debt. Yeah. Right? So they're like, oh, no, I don't want to go into debt. I have people say that, and I'm like, they've got an opportunity to, to invest in a property. Like, oh, I'd have to borrow my money. Oh, my mother, she's off it. Oh, I don't want to go into debt. It's like, are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> of course you want to go into debt. But like leverage. you, you, for example, and this might shock some people. Go on. But you are millions of pounds in debt. I am. Millions. Yeah. And you love it. Yeah. And I'm assuming one day you will pass through a very rich, happy man 
with millions of pounds worth of debt. Yeah. And that debt, I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, your kids will inherit that debt. But I'm assuming your kids will love the debt just as much as you did. Well, well, well they will. And explain why that is. Well, because you need debt for leverage. Right. Right. So if you're, if you're, for example, a mortgage on a property, if you've got loads of properties, unless they're unencumbered, if you've got loads of properties, there's going to be loads of debt on all those properties. Right, but th that debt's bringing you an income. Yeah. So your kids will love it because they know that the debt can't be a high net worth individual without being a high net worth individual. Correct. And they'll know that you've got all of that debt, which is actually bringing them an income. Yeah. And there's another advantage of debt, which I'm going to talk about later on. Okay. Okay, but yeah, so bad debt. Um, a lot, uh, m most poor people have bad debt. Yeah. Right? So that's the habit. That's the bad habit. Um, or they're scared of debt and they don't have any debt. That's you know also what's crazy a bad habit. as well. It's easy. It's easier to get bad debt than it is good debt. It's funny that, isn't it? Yeah. It is funny that. It's, if, you go to the, if you go to the bank and you say, I want to get a loan, I've got a, de I've got a mortgage in principle, I want a loan to help me pay for the deposit, they would say, oh no. That's too risky. But if you said, I want a loan because I'm getting married, they'd be like, yeah, cool. Hey, go and pay for your wedding. It's actually crazy. Even though half Think about this. Divorced. Think about this. If you borrow money to buy a house and it's like, it's too risky, but it's easier to get money to go on holiday, even if it was like just terrible investment, You've still got more chance of paying the debt back than you have going on holiday. Because with holiday, it's, it's, it's totally gone. Yeah. With nothing in return. No. It's crazy. It do, what I'd understand if they sort of said, look, we're going to... Let's say they, they looked at Ricky Mandel and said, right, Ricky Mandel, we think he can handle 50 grand worth of debt. If they're going to let you for holiday, isn't, what's the difference? What's, yeah, what is the difference? You've got more chance of getting it back from buying a house than you have a holiday. Because now at least they've got an asset they can take off you. Yeah. It makes zero sense to me either. Next point, oh, I don't want to talk about debt anymore. Bad so what, so what, so what, they should, what you should do is embrace good debt. Embrace good debt. Yeah. Bad debt, we don't even talk about bad debt. Embrace good debt, but just as, just as bad as having bad debt, I think, is being scared of debt altogether. You've got to use debt as a tool. Yeah. Rich people use debt. Right, next. Go on. Uh, not knowing what you're spending your money on. You earn more, you spend more. Well, we talked about that earlier. We did. It's like, you know, you get a pay rise an extra £500 a month, and then suddenly you've got the mindset of an extra £500 a month. Let me look at cars that are an extra £500 a month than what we're paying. The thing is, and this applies to everything as well, whatever you measure, you keep under control. So, for example, if you, if you weigh yourself every day and then you think you're eating the same, but you don't weigh... When I don't weigh myself, I go a month about weighing myself, guaranteed I'll put weight on during that month. Yeah. Because I'm not measuring it. No, you're right. I, I agree with that. I've been weighing myself a lot recently, maybe once a week. And if I'm not in the habit of weighing myself, what will happen is... And also um, measuring what I'm actually eating. So if I'm not measuring it, it'll be like, I'll have a meal. And then I'll give you an example. There was a nice bit of... Uh, we had salad earlier and there were some chickpeas with it. Now, I'm measuring what I'm eating at the moment, so I know I can't have the chickpeas because there's a lot of calories in them and it's, I'll go overboard. But if I weren't measuring it and I knew I weren't going to weigh myself, I'd have the chickpeas and in my mind I'll be thinking, it's not that bad. 
It's pretty healthy, isn't it? Chickpeas. Yeah, chickpeas. yeah. It's pretty Fresh healthy. Or the rice. I'll have, I'll have more rice because it's, it's good for it's rice and bad. Healthy rice. Yeah, Whole exactly. Whole rice. Oh, man. Dress, uh, uh, dressing on the salad. Yeah. <laughs> Load it on. It's all good. It's salad. But because I'm measuring it and now I'm tracking it and I'm weighing myself, I can't do that because I know that I'll be out of control. Yeah. So when you do, when you, when you're tracking and you're measuring, you, you're, you're on top of what you're actually doing. You're on top of, I know we're talking about weight here, but you're, when I'm weighing myself, I'm on top of my weight. Yeah. I'm on top of what I'm putting in, what I'm putting out. It, in- it, almost magically, without doing anything else, just tracking stuff. So, like, when, when, like with, our, with our company, when we, when we so- started tracking a certain type of sales, we noticed, we look back, and we're, oh, that went up. I don't know quite how, but because we're aware of it and we're, you, you know... And then you can adapt to it as well. Yeah. You don't notice, do you? You spend your money on stuff you won't even realise. Well, it might also work the other way as well. Your, 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 your business might be declining financially, but you might not even realise it. Yeah. And if you don't spot the problem, because you're not tracking, you can't fix the problem. Yeah, so I think you're right. Poor people, and a poor habit is to not even know what you're spending your money on. Yeah. And when you're not even aware, of course you're, gonna do, of course you're not going to do as well. Yeah. And also... And this is going to lead into, into the next point quite nicely, actually. The more you earn, the more you spend. And I believe that the reason you spend more is because you're, you've only got fast pound coming in. You know, yeah. you, you get, you, you've only got a, a fast pound. And what I mean by fast pound is there's no investments being made here. It's just either you have a job or you're, you know, even if you have a business and you're, you're a trading business, that's fast pound. And because you've only got the fast pound, you get a ma- uh, maybe not a massive, but it could be massive. You get quick money, bulk of money, but then that just goes out straight away. So what we say is you, not only do you need fast pound, but everyone should also have slow pound. Yeah. So it's very similar to active income, passive income. Yeah. So fast pound money that you're earning, quick money, bang, bang, you, you trade your time for money. Yeah. Slow pound being investments and the like. So yeah, most, most that are a bad habit is they only, they rely on active income. The problem with relying on active income is that you're going you're gonna to work till you die. There was a study recently looking at millennials, right? Because millennials, that would, be, we, that would obviously cover us as well. We've really followed the system. More than any other generation, we followed the system. We've gone, we've got, we're highly educated as ever, right? We've gone through university. We've followed the process of what we're taught and what everyone pushes us to do. We've got the least percentage of wealth of any of the other generations I've ever had at this stage. We, 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 millennials only own something. I can't remember the percentage, so I'm not going to quote it because people are going to go, oh, it's wrong. But I think, I think it's like 3% of the wealth or something. Do you know what's quite interesting about that fact, though? I bet, I bet now, if you looked, this generation now is, is probably making more money and having, getting get more active, fast income coming in than any other generation. Yeah, probably. Because of the use of social media, the use of the, you know, like TikToks and stuff, content creators. I bet. But it's all, it's all active money. We're not investing it. We're not saving it. We've got terrible pension pots. The average, the average pension. The, the average pension that millennials have, we're on track to have to work until you die. Because the pension you're going to get won't be enough to cover your lifestyle or anywhere near enough. So what that means is you will be able to get a pension when you hit 68 or whatever, but it won't be enough. So you're going to have to keep working. Yeah, so they, yeah. they, they reckon the average millennial will have to work till they die. And why? Because they're relying purely on fast pound active income. What you need to do is you need to switch that up. Yes, you should do fast pound. In fact, most high earners, most rich people have a very high active income. Yeah. But they also have a passive income and they, and, they, and they invest as well. Investing in things like property, like even stocks and shares and things like that. 
But invest in something. Yeah. I think property is the best. Yeah, I mean, property is not going to go out of fashion, is it? I don't think so. We've got the, the years of history. Yeah. 100 years of history of it doubling every 10 years. Also, got... people, people, have some, people are always looking for somewhere to live, always looking for somewhere to rent, always looking to sell a house, always looking to rent a house out. There's, it, no one's going to wake up one day and just be like, hmm, do you know what? I don't want to live in a house anymore. No. Well, I, Mark, I want to live in a tent. Mark Twain says, buy land. They're not making it anymore. It's not a Bitcoin where they're mining new Bitcoin. There's no better investment than the earth itself. I sound like Samuel then, didn't I? Whose quote's that? Was that yours? No, Samuel's. Oh, Samuel's. <laughs> That's why I said it like him. There's no better investment than the earth itself. Next point. Next point. Paying too much tax. The, here, we talked about debt earlier. Yep. It's one of the things I love about debt. I didn't want to mention, I want to steal point right. number five. Go right? on. But when you're a property investor, right, and you make money by refinancing properties, yeah. you don't pay tax on that. Oh, my goodness. Why not? Because you don't pay tax on debt. Wow. So when you're taking out, when you're refinancing properties and bringing out your salary that way, you don't pay any tax. The reason why you said we're going to die with lots of debt is because we're, our money's going up. When you sell it, you pay debt, you, you pay tax. Yeah. When you refinance it, you don't. So you can, you have a property, it goes in value, you refinance it, all this money you're bringing in, you're not having to pay any tax. Now, if you're paying tax on salary, you know, I, I pay about 50% tax on my, on, my, on my salary. By the time you work, by the time the VAT, the corporation tax, my personal... It's probably more than that, actually. It's probably, I, I, think, I think about 60% or something. It's ridiculous. Jeez. It's crazy. 65% or something like that on, on money they earn by the time it actually gets to me. Yeah. Unless you do things like refinance your property. So that's on that in- source of income I do. But on other income, luckily, I don't. Um, but the rich are aware of how much tax they pay. Most normal people... Just pay whatever the taxes that, 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 that their company says, right? You've got well, your job, you you're in active income, you have a choice. They don't really have a choice, no, they don't, they don't see it. But if you, if you run your own business, if, you're, if, you, are, if you are a uh, self-employed or if you've got your own limited company, you're your own business, you've got an investment business, so many tax advantages that you can save. If you earn 100 grand as an employee, how much tax do you pay? Well, it'd be like... The, the, you'll be on the high threshold, won't you? You've you probably left about 60 grand, right? Yeah, 40-something percent. About, for, about 40, 40 grand in tax. If you earn 100 grand for your investment business, how much tax do you pay? Well, it depends. On the profit. Uh, well, if you earn 100 grand, well, yeah, it depends on the profit, right? Because you've got expenses you can yeah. put through. You've got, you've got for example, um, your, your phone, your computer, maybe some of the office space in so your house. So what you're saying is if you're employed, you pay tax first. If you're a business owner, you pay tax last. Correct. You, so so you, can, you can spend the money on stuff. Right, so then you can take your salary, your tax-free allowance. Then you can take a dividend, your dividend-free allowance, and then you pay less tax on dividends, like eight percent or something. Right, so there's lots of different ways that you can pay a lot less tax. And I think most poor people they're in the habit of just paying too much tax, and it's not—it's not like um, it's not tax evasion. You're doing it within the law. This is how the system's designed. Yeah. You're, not, you're not doing anything wrong. It's just you just work into the system. Yeah, the system's designed. For people that have got limited companies or investing to pay less tax. But even if people watching this follow all of them steps, there's still one more thing that you have to get your head around before you can even, you know, uh, start to make money and keep the money. The final bad habit. The final bad habit, which you need to change. If you've got this habit, you've got to change it. Go on, what's the habit? I'm excited. Give me a drum roll. <sighs> <laughs> He's saying that, right? I've sprained my wrist. I forgot. Tom. <laughs> Hold on, let me tell the story. 
<laughs> so Robert came in today and he was wearing this coat, right? And I was like, oh, man, that's a nice coat. And he's like, oh, thanks. And then we sat down and it's like boiling hot in this room. And I was like, you're not hot? And he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And I was like, it's a bit hot in here. And he was like, no, no. And I'm looking, he's got like sweat coming down his head. I said, take your coat off, man. Come on, what are you playing at? And he took off his coat and he had this like hand wrap around his hand. And I said, what, what are you playing at? He goes, oh, he goes, I, I sprained my hand. And I said, oh, did you go to the doctor's? And he goes, no, no, I've had this one at home and I just put this on. Like you, you keep it for whenever you sprain your hand. And he took it off to film this podcast. <laughs> the way you tell the stories are hilarious. Like, that just didn't happen. Like, I wasn't keeping my coat on sweating oh, or anything. Oh, hilarious, man. But I, I, do, I have sprained my wrist and I do have hand stuff on that I did take off the podcast. So, we, hence, I can't do my drum roll oh. with my right hand. So it's a one handed drum roll. Are you ready for the drum one-handed roll? One handed drum roll. <laughs> it's hard in one hand. You are. The bad habit is you are afraid and are scared to uh, take risk. I think that's true. Scared of risk. I think most most poor people are scared of risk. Being an entrepreneur, the very definition of an entrepreneur is someone who takes risk for financial reward. Yeah. And I think to be any any sort of investor, you've got to take a risk. Having said that, I would argue that not investing is a risk. I would argue that having a job is a risk. Having a job is a risk. I would argue that not putting money into an investor account and just spending all your money, that's a risk. Yeah. So whatever you do, you're going to take a risk. People are scared of risk because they're like, oh, if I invest that money, I could lose it. Yeah, but if you don't invest it, you'll lose it anyway. Yeah. Right? You'll, you'll just spend it on crap. That's right. That's a bigger risk. It's just rephrasing risk in your, in your, in your head and what, what, what is risk. Well, what you want to do is you want to... Everything you do is risky. It needs to be a calculated risk based off of what's going to be the return on investment. And well, crossing the, the road's risky. Well, yeah, of course it you is. You get run over. You could do. You drove here today, right? Yeah. Risky. We're, we're sat on chairs. Risky. Risky. I played football last night. Sprained my ankle. <laughs> yeah, ankle. Sprained my, my, uh, my, my wrist. Risky. Risk, you know, risky. This is the thing as well. When we play football, I just go easy. I've got good technique anyway. I'm pretty good, you know, <laughs> for saying so myself. <laughs> you know, well, he has to say himself. No one else does. <laughs> <laughs> These guys don't credit me enough, but I'm a pretty good footballer. Um, you know, what thing is, when you move the ball quick and you, you've got good vision and you know where the ball's going to go before you've even got it, you don't spend time on the ball. And I don't like to get too heavily involved. The reason you don't, don't spend time hurt. on the ball is because no one passes to you. <laughs> <laughs> but playing football yeah. is risky. Everything is risky. What you And also, everything's hard. Yeah. You know, but, but having no money is hard. But having money is also hard. So, so would you say... It's about taking, I think, I think the risk factor is about taking educated risks. Yes. It's looking at what's worked in the past. Yeah. Like property yeah. is a big one. But if you want to invest in stocks, for example, I've, I have, do have some money in the S&P 500 because historically that's done really well. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's a risk. I could lose it. But I don't think I, don't think I will. I also think not only investing in things that have been proven to work and stuff like that, but also along the way of investing is, is just minimise the risk. And, it's never going to be risk-free. And we talked about it this last week, but don't over-leverage. Yeah. The problem with over-leveraging, if, you're, if you've got nothing, every, I always think keep money in the bank as well so that you can take advantage of opportunities or if the markets dip or if something goes wrong, you can cover, right? If you're completely leveraged to the hilt and then something goes wrong, COVID happens, you stop earning money. Yeah. 
and you've got you completely leverage the hill. What you're going to have to do is you're going to, you're going to be forced to sell your assets, right? Because you want to be liquid as well. Be forced to sell your assets, which then means because you're forced to sell it, you're going to sell it. It's the opposite of like when you when you when you want to negotiate wells when you don't care. When you do care, when you have to sell, that's where you're going to get stiffed, right? Yeah. So I think you want to you want to take risks, but use the investor pot. Invest from that. Invest all of that, right? Keep money put aside in your normal account and everything, so that you've you, so that you so that you leverage and, you, and so you're not over leveraged. Yeah. But use leverage and take risks, but don't be an idiot about it. It's, it's a balancing act. Isn't and it? yeah, reducing the risk. You know, for example, some of the things you can do. It depends on each strategy, but. You know, if you're going to buy a house, then have exits in place. What happens if the market dips? What you know, if you're doing a buy refurbishment finance, what happens if it does dip and there's a down valuation? What happens if you do service accommodation and there's more rules and regulations that come in? How are you going to exit from? Do you have a break clause if you're doing a rent to rent? There's different things that you can do to reduce the risk. Also, another interesting thing is this: if you're like, do you know what, I want to get started in property. Um, and I just want to go kind of, you know, small steps at a time with the risk. I don't want to go all in. I just want to... There's a strategy that has basically no risk to it, apart from risking your time and risking from petrol money. And that's deal sourcing. Mm. You can make money from property without all of the risk from packaging and sending deals to investors. So you say about risking your time, and I agree with you about risking your time, but most people wouldn't even say that as a risk at all. No, most people... Uh, but when you put risk... With regards to investing and stuff like that, and entrepreneurship, most people think it's risking finances. Yeah. But I think it's also risking your time. Yeah, because time is money, isn't it? Yeah. You know. So, but deal that, that's why it makes sense to get trained. Oh yeah. Because people, people go, oh, I could, I could probably do this. I could figure this out myself. Yeah. Yeah. It might take you three years. Well, you'll either pay for one or two things. It will be you pay for your um, mistakes, Mistake. or you pay for your education. Yeah. You know. So. But deal sourcing, when you, when you know how to deal source and you know how to package and sell deals, the only risk you've got for deal sourcing is risking losing money paying for petrol doing viewings and risking the time doing the viewings. Right. That's the only risk. So if you are a bit worried about risk, maybe look at you know, packaging and selling deals. And a good place to start, by the way, because when I started and I heard about deal source and I was like, let me look into this a bit more, one of the first places that I looked and went to do some research on you know, what is deal source and how does it work, I looked on Winners on a Wednesday. And I was looking at every single week Samuel does on YouTube. He does something called Winners on a Wednesday, where every single week he interviews a success student. They've been through the advanced training programs, um, and now they're you know, making uh, good money from property. So this is on the Samuel Leeds YouTube channel? Samuel Leeds YouTube channel. And when you look through that, um, there's so many different stories of people that do deal sourcing, that started off with nothing. The only thing they risked was their time and petrol money. And then they're absolutely smashing it in property. And when you see that... And it's not just one, two, three, four, five. It's not just you know a handful of people, hundreds of people. It almost eliminates your excuse of not being able to get started. It eliminates the excuse of not being able to take that risk and just and just jump into it. So if you're what if you're listening or watching this, as soon as you finish watching or listening, I would jump on YouTube and watch Winners on a Wednesday by Samuel and see what deal sourcing is about. Look into that strategy. Maybe deal sourcing isn't for you. Maybe you're thinking actually I just want to buy houses. Great, you can do that. But just learn how to do it by reducing the risk. Learn how to do the formulas. Get the education on how to you know, manage teams and manage builders and manage a, a bridging loan so that you don't end up losing loads of money. Yeah, I agree. And um, I actually think the way you started was quite good. With those six things in mind, six top tips, I think, that if, if you actually put this into practice, will revolutionise your bank account. 
But with that, with that all in mind, I think environment, like you said, put yeah. yourself around people that are doing this, right? Because environment is stronger than willpower. Yeah. So if this is normal, when everyone's not doing this, it's hard to be the one that's putting aside 20% of your salary. It's hard to be the one that's not, when everyone's buying cars on finance yeah. or whatever, and you're, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to buy a two grand Skoda because that's what I can afford. It's difficult, right? Yeah. But when you're around people that are putting this into practice that are doing it, and you can see the rewards and you're patient with it, it's not going to be immediate. You won't do this and suddenly you'll be a millionaire. No. Well, it's going to take time, right? Yeah. But if you start doing this and you, and, you, and, you, and you build this into your lifestyle and your time and you're around people that are doing this, that's where you're going to really start seeing You've kind of hit the nail on the head exactly what I was thinking. And this isn't, I know it's not really to do with investing in property, but when you look at health again, I don't really like the term dieting because dieting, I think, is, you know, it's a short-term diet to lose a bit of weight or get in shape. I prefer thinking of it as a lifestyle. This is what I do on a, you know, on a, on a regular basis. This is how I live my life. This, this is a lifestyle is your diet rather yeah. than you're on a diet. Yeah. yeah, and in the same way with these six things, this shouldn't be a, this is what I'm going to do quickly to change. This is what I'm going to do in a short term. This is how you live your life. This is how you think differently um, and, and adapt it so that it becomes the natural and, and the normal for you. 100% agree. Uh, guys, hope you enjoyed that show. I'm Russell Leeds. I'm Ricky Mandel. See you next week.